All right, I want to welcome on my next guest. We have a very special guest. We've got legendary Dallas Cowboys quarterback, Danny White. Danny, has everything going for you? Yeah, it's going great, Zach. Appreciate it. Glad, glad to hear it. How's this, this? I know we're in 2021 now. Pandemic's still kind of going on. How have you been managing? How's this kind of turned your life upside down? How's it, how have you been handling it? Well, you know, I, I know 2021 is going to be a better year. I keep waiting yeah. for it to kick in, you know. Yeah. Um, but I kind of got a triple whammy between the between the pandemic and the politics in this country, which yeah. is out of control. And, of course, the Cowboys season, yeah. <laughs> you know, 2021 uh, has got to be better. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. I know we got conference championships yeah. this week. We're going to see if Mahomes is going to play. What, but, yeah, what a, what a great weekend. I think last yeah. weekend is the greatest weekend in, in football. Um, when you got those those six games and yeah. everybody playing in the greatest scenario in all of sport, which is winner goes on, loser goes home. I'm glad college football finally figured it out. Now, if they yeah. can expand it a little bit, you know, it'll get even better. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, last weekend was, and, and this will be a great one too. Yeah. I have a question for the divisional round. Was there anything that kind of stood out to you, either like results or things you noticed while watching the games? You know, I was just a little surprised at the Tampa-New Orleans game, um, like I think most people probably were. But yeah. uh, other than that, you know, it's just it's just so much fun to watch these guys uh, playing in that environment because they just go at it. You know, the running backs, that's where I see it the most. Those running backs are not going down until somebody forces them to the ground. You know, they're not running out of bounds. Uh, they're taking people on and uh, – that's the way football should be played all the time. Yeah. So I want to kind of get into the Cowboys season a little bit. Didn't really go as planned. Obviously had a major ankle injury to Dak Prescott. Um, new coach. As of recently, they basically have a new defensive coordinator and Dan Quinn. Would have been yeah. your thoughts on this, the whole Cowboys season as a whole? Well, the timing couldn't have been worse. If it had to have been for those guys in Washington, you know, you'd say there's no way that a team can have a new coach and a new quarterback and, and, and not have an off season and uh, and still have any kind of success. And then the Redskins or the football team, they'll always they, have, they need the a Redskins. nickname. I, I can't. I don't know how much longer I can go on with the football. They team. will they always be the Redskins to me. Yeah. I'm sorry, Zach. So <laughs> the over under is 27 when it comes to how many times I'll say Redskins on a broadcast. Um, but uh, they kind of proved us wrong. I mean, they 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 whipped yeah. us and. Uh, uh, under the very, very similar circumstances. But uh, what a crazy year um, to try to to try to change uh, administrations, if you will, you know, yeah. both uh, politically and uh, football wise. Yeah. I have a question. So Prescott went down early. Do you still have faith that he's the guy long term? Yeah, I do. Um, Dak has got, uh, you know, he, he's. He checks all the boxes. He's got a couple of little throwing issues that are minor that can be corrected. Um, to be honest with you, um, I'm not so sure that with his contract situation and everything that was going on, that that injury wasn't a blessing <laughs> for Dak. Um, yeah. He got a chance to sit back, watch yeah. things from a distance yeah. during a crazy year. Yeah. And um, I think he's going to be better than ever when he comes back next year. So, so I have a question. So the defense was kind of an issue going into the beginning of the year. I know they were struggling a bit and they do have a lot of guys that they recently brought it. They lost Byron Jones, but they did um, make some extensions, Jalen Smith. 
um, Demarcus Lawrence. If I made you GM of the Cowboys for a day, you could do anything you wanted. What would be some of the first things you'd try to fix? Well, I, you know, I, I continue to work on that secondary a little bit, I think. Um, but when you look on paper and I, I said this at the start of the season, um, other than the cornerback position, um, on paper, this team was loaded, you know, and the, the linebackers, I thought they had the best linebacking group yeah. maybe in the league. And yet they were so bad against the run that that completely blew me away. I thought they were good up front. I think they made some off season moves that, uh, were strange, but that's Jerry. Jerry's kind of become the halfway house um, for NFL free agents. A lot of guys come in there that have had issues in the past, but when you sign a guy like Don Terry Poe that's been with four teams in the last five years, you know, that's got to tell you something. Um, that, that, and I think Jerry would admit that that was just a bad move. And there were some others, Ha Ha Clinton Dix, you know, took, took some money. Washington from legend. Never, Washington never legend played for like six yeah, games. Yeah. Never played a get, never played it down, and and uh, there were uh, Everson Griffin. So there were there were some moves on the defensive side of the ball that were a little bit puzzling. I think that hurt them a little bit early on when they made when they got rid of those guys, got them out of the locker room. Uh, I think I saw an improvement in energy at least. Now they still had to catch on to the system, and I think there were problems with that because guys just weren't in their gaps. You know, and and it and the guy that suffered the most was Jalen Smith. Yeah. Um, you know, when when the when the nose tackle uh, gets cut off by the center, and the guard can get up on the middle linebacker, Jalen can't do his job, and I think it made him look bad. And there was there were some uh, issues going on there, and uh, I think it turned into some chemistry issues. But I think they're on the right track. I think that's going to get corrected. Um, I think Dan Quinn's going to have a lot to do with that. I have a question. When they took C.D. Lamb, knowing they already just extended Cooper and you already had a up-and-coming in Michael Gallup, were you shocked at that pick, or did you kind of see it coming? I, I I was a little bit surprised at the time after watching him play this year. I'm not surprised. Interesting. Uh, C.D.'s a guy, though, he's like a lot of high-strung receivers that want the ball. Yeah. Um, that's a good problem to have, but it can also be a problem in that uh, sometimes they tend to pout a little bit if they don't get the ball early and often. There were some games when I thought CD was pouting a little bit. I think, uh, I think being around Amari uh, is going to help him a lot uh, to, to grow up, uh, to become more of a professional, and I think he will. Uh, in fact, I think I saw him improve just during the one season that he was there. So CD Lamb, is going to be an unbelievable receiver in the league. And uh, so I'm looking forward to, to him having a full offseason, a real offseason, and coming back next year. And as they're going into next season, who do you think is the team to beat in the NFC East? <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's, uh, I mean, I, I'd have to say the Cowboys, but uh, interesting. Uh, I would have said that this year too. But, you know, yeah. with, with their base, with what they've got going, yeah. And uh, add, a, add a couple of pieces. They got a couple of young DBs, okay, that are going to have a year under their belts yeah. that played pretty well this year and that are going to just get better. Um, yeah, I, I think if they can improve 
the secondary just a little bit, and it may not take a personnel change. It may just be a year of, of uh, off-season and preseason and training camp will be all they need because on paper they're they're really strong. Now I've got, I got one, one last current Cowboys question for you. Do you think Mike McCarthy is the guy long-term, or do you think they're just evaluating him as a stopgap? Yeah, I, I, I don't think there's any way to say, Zach. I mean, I, I'm telling you. Um, with everything that was going on this year, the thing that concerns me is there were times when I didn't feel like the effort was there. And, um, you know, but not being able to coach those guys in person, face-to-face, I just don't know how you can judge any coach under those circumstances. So let's let's uh, let's chalk that up to experience and let's see what happens next year. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to get into your career a little bit. How did you end up at Arizona State? Well, it's an interesting story. I was uh, really only offered scholarships by two other schools, BYU and Kansas State, and they were for baseball. And uh, ASU really hadn't really offered me anything until I played in the high school all-star game in Arizona. And I uh, started at free safety. See, I only played one year of high school football as a quarterback. Um, had a concussion my junior year, missed the whole year. My senior year, I played the whole year. And, uh, you know, we had a good team. We were nine and one. Um, but baseball was really my sport. And uh, we played an, a high school all-star game in June in Flagstaff, Arizona. I started at free safety and intercepted three passes in the first half. Started at quarterback in the second half and threw three touchdown passes. And we won the game 21 to 20. So uh, um, Frank Cush happened to the coach at Arizona State happened to be in the stands and saw me play that next uh, week. He came over to my house. It was Thursday night. I was already committed to BYU and was going up to sign my letter of intent. Coach Cush came over and was his normal charming self, you know, and uh, but what he did was uh, he got Bobby Winkles on the phone, who was the baseball coach. Bobby Winkles offered me a baseball scholarship day and shoot. Now a baseball scholarship in the late sixties was gold. Uh, Reggie Jackson, Sal Bando, Rick Mundy. They were in the national championship every year. That's what changed my mind. And I knew my dad, my dad was an all American at Arizona state as a running back. And I knew my dad wanted me to stay home and, and play at Arizona state even though he didn't say it. So I just changed my mind at the last minute and went to Arizona state on a baseball scholarship. And uh, I'm glad I did. I feel like Arizona state is a lot more fun off campus than BYU. It's just a hunch. I have. (laughs) Yeah. Big difference. Kind of night and day. Although that was not what I was interested in. I was not interested in the off off campus uh, life. In fact, I was married my sophomore year at ASU. So uh, I was at home in my little apartment uh, every night after practice. Uh, I didn't hang out with the guys very much. (laughs) I I wonder what Zach Wilson, when he gets in the NFL next year, he's going to be like, whoa. Yeah. And anywhere he goes, he's going to be like, this is crazy. There's going to be a little culture shock for Zach, uh, but hopefully you'll have some people that will be uh, helping him out. Yeah, if he pulls a Jim McMahon, it's going to be very interesting. To no, watch. no, Zach is not a Jim McMahon. Those are two <laughs> different personalities. 
I, I interviewed Jim McMahon a couple months ago, and I know I was talking to him. Apparently, with his first function with the Bears, he showed. Apparently, they, he was in um, Utah, and they flew him to Chicago, and he was in a limo, and the limo took like two hours. Apparently, they had a bunch of beer in the limo, and he grabbed a bunch. He had a bunch, and he took some in. Apparently, the media didn't like it. it was very, <laughs> very interesting. He goes, he goes, I'm not going to just leave him there. I'm like, I understand. That. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's Jim. Yeah, so so um, so getting to Arizona State, so you're on a baseball scholarship. How did you kind of spin it to, to you played football and baseball, right? Well, I did uh, the first three years. My freshman year, you know, back then freshmen could not play varsity, so I played on the freshman team. And Frank Cush, even though I was on a baseball scholarship, Frank Cush still called the shots at ASU, so I didn't get to miss any of spring football in order to play baseball. Um, but, uh, I didn't play much football either because there were five quarterbacks on the freshman team. Um, I played some defensive back. In fact, I, we still joke about it, but my, uh, introduction to ASU football was covering JD Hill. Um, it, in practice, we would go over to the stadium at night. Most of our games were at night. And so we had to get used to the lights. And so when I was a freshman, I would line up across from J.D. Hill and I would line up about 20 yards off. J.D. was one of the fastest guys in, in college. And uh, he got so mad at me because I wouldn't let him beat me deep. He could run hitches all day long. And uh, but I was not going to let him beat me deep. I think Frank Cush recognized uh, that I was may not be as dumb as most freshmen and uh that may have impressed him a little bit, but then I, uh, my sophomore year, uh, Joe Spagnola graduated. He was the starting quarterback. Grady Hurst was the incumbent. Four of the five quarterbacks transferred, and I was the backup. We went to train, went up to camp up, up in the mountains. Coach Cush put me in with the starting team one day just to see how Grady would react. Grady quit. And uh, he was stuck. He was literally stuck with me on opening night. Now, growing up, you got to remember, I lived five miles from the ASU stadium, grew up there. And uh, my dad and I went to every ASU football game, never missed a game. So uh, it was a dream of mine just to wear a football uniform at ASU, not, not to play. I never dreamed I'd play. Now, here I am, the starting quarterback as a sophomore for ASU's football team. Um, you you think I was nervous. Coach Cush came up to me before the game and said, hey, White, you look nervous. I said, Coach, I'll be honest with you. I am a little nervous. He said, listen, there's 11 guys out there. Ten of them are faster than you are. So just get the ball from the center and give it to one of them without dropping it, and we'll be fine. <laughs> that was his pep talk. Anyway, after one game of football at ASU, I decided that uh, that was probably a little more exciting than standing out in center field waiting for someone to hit me a ball. Just a little bit. Just a little, a little bit. bit. Was there, like, can you talk about that pressure? Like, it's like your hometown team team you always want to play for, and all of a sudden you're the quarterback? How did, yeah. What was that like? How did you Un kind of adjust to that? What was that like? Zach, it was unbelievable. Fortunately, uh, Coach Cush was right. I, we had a running back group, Woody Green, Benny Malone, Brent McClanahan, receivers, Steve Holden, uh, Ed Beverly, 
you know, just, just great, great players. And all I had to do was get it from the center and get it to one of them. And uh, we were off to the races. In fact, my junior year, uh, we went to Omaha for the national championships in baseball. I struck out to make the last out of the college world series down two to one to USC. And not many people know this story, so don't tell anybody. Okay. Um, I struck out to make the last out and I was devastated. We got back and I went into coach Brock and I said, coach, I'm done with baseball. I'm going to concentrate on football. And I was mad at the world, man. And little did I know that three months later, I would be the starting quarterback on a team that was leading the nation in total offense and scoring. And uh, so I guess in a way you can say things were just kind of meant to be. Yeah. What, what were the media saying? Cause obviously probably early on, they're like, who is this guy playing quarterback? Who's this guy letting it up? What, what was that like? You know, I, that was a, that was a different, different world with the media back then. The media were actually guys that were on your side. You didn't have to be careful. You could say anything you wanted to them. And uh, it wasn't like it is today. And, uh, and, you know, they were, they were very supportive. I mean, it was all a positive, this, this hometown boy. Um, and I was quiet. I was not brash at all. And uh, probably that's probably why I like baseball better than football. But um, I, I really don't remember. I don't remember it being negative at all. I think it was all really, really supportive. Cool. I saw yeah. you took them to three Fiesta Bowls. Is that true? We won the first three Fiesta Bowls. Uh, first year, we beat Florida State, Gary Huff, and those guys. The second year, we beat the University of Missouri. And then the third year, uh, it was Pitt with Tony Dorsett. Tony Dorsett was a freshman at Pitt that year. And we won all three of them. So, we, uh, yeah, we were the champions of the first three Fiesta Bowls. At that point, did you think like, all right, this is the farthest my football career is going to go? Like, I, or, 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 who brought the NFL? Who brought the idea of playing the NFL to you? Well, you know, I, until my my senior year, yeah, I, the NFL was just a pipe dream. But looking at the numbers and talking to some of the scouts that were on campus and people that were coming around, mostly to see Woody and Benny and uh, some of the other guys on our team, um. I actually thought there was a chance. Um, so right up to the draft, you know, I had no idea. And of course the draft wasn't nearly what it is today. I heard that I had been drafted on the radio. I was driving my car in Scottsdale and I heard it on the radio that the Cowboys had drafted me in the third round. Unbelievable. And then so I heard that they, they, they drafted you primarily as a punter. Well, yeah, it was, it was both. It was both. I think they saw in me the same thing that Frank Cush did, that I was a good athlete and could play multiple positions. Um, but I went to training camp, uh, rookie camp, with, uh, with the Cowboys as a quarterback. Um, and then when I got back, you know, they made me their second offer. Uh, I got a phone call from a guy by the name of John Bassett who was one of the founders and the owner of the Memphis football team in the world football league. And he just asked me over the phone, what would it take to get you to play in the, in the WFL? And I just doubled the offer that the Cowboys had made me <laughs> right there on the phone. I mean, literally. And he said, you got it, get ready. We're going to bring you up, fly you up here on Saturday and have a press conference. And so, you know, I, I think by then I had established myself uh, pretty well as a quarterback and, uh, 
even though I was uh, drafted in the third round, I was the first quarterback drafted that year. And then, so so when the WFL kind of folded, do, were your rights still held by the Cowboys, or what was that right. situation like? Gil Brandt was one of the first people to call me, and he said, Danny, uh, we still have your rights. We uh, After your experience in the WFL, see, I played for a Memphis team that had Larry Zonka, Jim Kick, Paul Warfield. <laughs> so we had a pretty good team. Yeah. There was some talent on that team. And uh, um, so he said, we're going to consider you a first-round pick. We're going to increase our offer. And he offered me a five-year contract of $60,000 a year. Can you believe that? Man, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. What's Dak complaining about? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> really. Unbelievable. And then so when you got there, they said like, all right, what was that? So you already talked about the pressure of being the starting quarterback at Arizona State, even though you were up there. You're going to America's team behind Captain America, Roger Stubbock. What was that pressure like? Yeah. Well, there wasn't a lot of pressure being a backup. but And I had, I had a good friend there, Bob Brunig, who was a teammate of mine at Arizona State. And um, – I kind of felt like I fit right in. And there were three of us at the time, me and Roger and Clint Longley. And of course, anybody who knows that story uh, knows that, you know, Roger and Clint didn't get along real well. And I, I fit in with Roger really well. We had a lot of similar interests, very similar personality and philosophy. And so we started working out together and got to training camp and long story short, Clint and Roger got in a fight. And after practice one day, and Roger took him out. <laughs> and the next day, the next day, Clint snuck up behind Roger and cold cocked him and ran to his dorm, got in his car and took off and nobody ever saw Clint again. So, so there's another story that yeah. uh, kind of meant to be, but Roger took care of my competition for me yeah. as well. So for the first couple of years, it was just me and Roger, um, and boy, what a what a great learning experience, yeah. you know. I, I think I may have heard somebody bring that story up before. I don't, I, I don't it might have been yeah. when the, I think it might have been earlier last year when the NFL did the all-time 100 team. I think Belichick might have brought that up when they were talking about Staubach. Because I've, I've yeah. heard that before. That's unbelievable. And then, so, um, you're, then you, what was your first experience like meeting Tom Landry, one of the greatest coaches of all time? You know, I don't remember the first time I met him, but my first experience with him was in quarterback school. That first off season, um, we uh, that 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 was where I really saw the brilliance of Tom Landry. We he had it every off season, what's called quarterback school, where he brings in offensive and defensive quarterbacks. By that I mean the quarterbacks on offense, the free safeties, and the middle linebackers on defense. So, uh, so we're in quarterback school. And of course I'm sitting right on the front row trying to impress coach Landry. His first question is what's the most important thing in a football game, what you do, when you do it or why you do it. And man, my hands shot up. I knew the answer. I didn't realize it was a rhetorical question. I thought he wanted an answer. And he said, well, yeah, what is it, Dan? I think he thought I needed to go to the bathroom or something. I said, no coach, I have the answer. He said, well, what is it? I said, well, if you know why you do something, you automatically know what to do and when to do it, right? He said, well, that's pretty good for a rookie, but it's wrong. The most important thing in a football game is when to do it. And end of discussion, you know. And 
So he and I had a lot of discussions about that until one day I audibled on fourth down against the Redskins um, when I was supposed to try to get them off sides. And they, they stopped us, went in and scored a touchdown, won the game. And uh, he called me in that next day and said, uh, you know, I never would have done what you did because I, I know that the most important thing in a football game is when you do it. So I did it at the end of the game with a game on the line. And anyway, I learned that lesson the hard way, but Tom Landry was, was a master at strategy, at uh, creating an environment where ordinary athletes like me could achieve extraordinary results. That was the magic to Tom Landry. And I have a question. So as a quarterback, how, how difficult is it to try to get the defense to jump offside? Well, when you're in the shotgun, like everybody is these days, uh, it's really hard, but, uh, um, it's, it's, it's hard, uh, harder now, I think than it was back then. We were able to move a little bit more. Now you can't even blink, uh, you know, or they'll, they'll call the penalty on you, you know, um, but we did it. We did it quite a bit, and uh, especially with our shifting. You know, if you remember the Cowboys, we were famous for the linemen shifting up and down. We would call out the defense four three set, and the and the linemen would come up and down. Well, I'd just tell them instead of shifting on set, shift on the first hut. So four three set, hut, and then they'd shift, and that got the defense a lot of times. So there were some things you could do, but uh, yeah, defensive defensive nose tackles are still not the smartest bunch in the league. Uh, and and even though they're right there, right over the ball, you still see them jump off sides from time to time. It's it's amazing to me that they still do it. Who do you think is the best quarterback in NFL history to be able to get the defense to jump? Is it because to me, Rodgers does it better than anybody I've ever seen. Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback that's ever played the position. Interesting. Um, as well, that's, that's, that's an answer to a different question, but it's also the answer to your question. Aaron uses all of his tools. He'll, he'll try to catch you. If he sees you substituting, for instance, he'll, he has a call where they'll run up the line of scrimmage, snap the ball before you can get everybody off the field, gets you with 12 guys on the field. He does stuff like that. But his ability to move around and buy time and throw accurately from any body position. I've never seen anybody. Now, Pat Mahomes may get there one day, but when Pat Mahomes has done it for 15 years, yeah. then maybe he'll be the greatest. But for now, the best I've ever seen play the position and use all the tools, the cadence, um, motion, shifting, being able to throw from different positions and throw accurately. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is the best. Did, did, were you surprised he's had his greatest season as he has? Did you, did you, did you have a feeling when they drafted the um, Jordan Love, it was going to kind of motivate, motivate him? No, I don't, I don't think Aaron is necessarily motivated as much as I think he's just finally surrounded by uh, the right talent. He's got he's got a running back that's unbelievable. He's got a receiver that's unbelievable. He's got a pretty good defense. You know, he's got a good offensive line. So, uh, you know, Aaron's no different from any other quarterback. The quarterback is the most dependable position of any position in all of sport uh, in terms of the people around him. Nobody relies more 
uh, on the synergy and the support. He's the last guy that gets to do his job when you think about it. If the linemen do their job, the receivers do their job, then he gets to do his. But um, so Aaron's no different. You put the right people around him. With Aaron, though, it takes fewer of those guys. And I know, you know, Tom Brady's had a great, great career and he's a great thrower. And as long as he's in the pocket setting his feet, there's no one better. He gets rid of it so quickly. But in terms of everything that a quarterback has to do, in my opinion, Aaron Rodgers is the best. I have a question. Who is your favorite teammate from your time in Dallas? My favorite teammate? Wow. Well, you know, Bob and I went way back. Bob Brunig and I went way back. Roger and I are, are close to this day. Um, you know, so he was a great friend, a great support, um, and has been uh, in my corner ever since he retired, you know, and, and that's meant a lot to me. Uh, so those two guys, probably and a whole bunch of guys that I'm still close to today, but those two probably more than anybody else. I have a question. Were, were Eagles fans as crazy when you played as they are now or worse? Short answer, yes. You know, uh, Eagle fans were right up there with Redskin fans. Really? Uh, Never heard. Interesting. Yeah. Redskin fans were a little more loyal. To, to their team, Eagle fans would turn on the Eagles in a heartbeat. I mean, it didn't take much. And uh, it was one of the, one of the highlights of our, of our year was to go to Philly and try to get the fans to turn on them. And it didn't take much. Now they turn right back just as fast as they turned, but uh, yeah, they were, they were flipping around a lot. Eagle fans are not uh, known for staying pat for very, for very long. I was talking to um, Chad Hennings a couple months ago and asked him if he had any interesting experience yeah. with Eagles fans. And he oh, said, yeah. I think it was his first game at um, the old stadium. And he said, Jimmy Johnson, apparently they told him to wear a helmet when you're walking out of the tunnel right. because they were going to pelt him with ice. Right. Well, we had to do that in, in, in Washington. Well, and in Philly. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the first, my introduction to the NFL. We went to Washington the first time and Coach Landry said, nobody goes through, out, out of that tunnel without your helmet on. And it was a good thing because there was all kinds of stuff flying at us. I didn't even want to know what some of it was. That's wild. I have a question. Who, um, in your opinion, who, who do you think in the, in the game today most resembles Tony Dorsett? Ooh. Ooh. That's, that's a good question. Guys today are more power runners. Um, so, you know, Tony wasn't very big. Uh, he was a slashing runner. He wasn't going to necessarily run over anybody. But, uh, boy, he could change directions. You know, I'd probably have to think about that one for a while. Most of the great runners today are power runners. Um, they'll run over you just as, just as quick as they'll run around you. Tony wasn't that kind of guy. The reason Tony was so successful for so long is that you couldn't get a shot on him. You couldn't hit him. You know, and then we got Herschel and Herschel was a little more of a power runner. Um, he was bigger, but you know, I, I never saw anybody change directions and accelerate like Tony Dorsett. And I can't really, really can't think of a guy today 
um, that plays a lot of guys play more like Herschel than, than like Tony. Tony was kind of a, kind of a unicorn. There aren't many guys like him. Interesting. I have a question. So you, you took the Cowboys to three straight NFC championship games. Do you think just some quarterbacks, just when it comes to playoff time, just even getting there, they just don't know what to do. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't think so. I think most of them today, they do such a great job, you know, like bringing quarterbacks along yeah. and starting them their rookie year. Yeah. They do such a great job indoctrinating them, getting them ready for what they're going to face. And guys starting in their first year, you never heard of that back when I played. Yeah. Um, but, but they do that today and it's not just on the field, it's off the field. And there are so much more pressure with social media, um, on, on quarterbacks today, especially off the field than there was when I played. So I think, I think they're pretty well prepared, uh, for, for all the hype. And it's a good thing that, that their introduction is not a playoff game. Yeah. I think it's a good thing that they have the whole season to get ready for it. Um, so I, I think they're very, very well prepared today for the playoffs. Interesting. I have a question. I want to kind of get into your, your, your coaching career. And then I also saw, aside from the coaching career, is it true you put a music video? <laughs> well, we, we produced two Christmas. I think, I assume you're talking about the Christmas videos. I, saw, I, actually, I, saw you recorded, a... <laughs> I actually recorded an album myself in 1980 called Country Cowboy. I'm, I think that's I'm it. A, you're, a part, a... you're a part of me. Is that? You're a part of me. Yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> was was my big hit <laughs> fortunately it was a duet um yeah I, that was one of the highlights of my football career was going into the sun record studios in memphis tennessee elvis's studio and uh, recording an album because i i play the piano i still do oh, cool. I, I played the piano all my life so to go in that studio and record that album was was a kick but then I also, in 85 and 86, we produced a Christmas video that we're actually bringing back for next Christmas. Oh, cool. um, you see Tom Landry putting on 12 different hats for the 12 days of Christmas. Now, anybody that's seeing, you can, you can see it on YouTube. Anybody that sees that video will see Tom Landry do some things that you never dreamed you'd see. You know, just just not in his character, but we were, and that's a credit to Coach Landry. And I was, I mean, maybe the the highlight of my career was getting him to come into a studio and actually do something that was completely out of the box for him. And uh, so, yeah, I was. Music has always been a big part of my life, from the country cowboy to the Cowboys Christmas videos. How many of those hats did Tom Landry have? You have a bunch. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he did. I, I never was privy to his closet and get to see what was in there, but um, seems like he wore a different one every week. Um, but I don't know. And, you know, what's funny about people think he wore that hat around all the time. The only time I ever saw him in a fedora was at the games. Interesting. The only time he ever wore The rest of the time he wore a baseball cap. Interesting. That's why. And then so for your coaching career, how did you kind of get involved in coaching? Uh, I was, I had just been retired for a couple of years, living in Dallas, got a call, believe it or not, from Dick Van Arsdale, the old basketball player. Van was working for, uh, for the Phoenix Suns. 
and Jerry Colangelo. And he said, Jerry had just purchased an arena football team and wanted to know if I was interested in coming back to Phoenix and coaching his team. And you know what? It was, again, one of those things that was just meant to be. I just felt good about it. Moving back home, all my family was here. Um, so we packed our bags and moved back to Phoenix. And I coached that team for 13 seasons and probably the most fun I ever had in football. That's awesome. And then I just got one last question for you. What was it like getting inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame? Yeah, that was great. That was really, uh, really a highlight because, uh, you know, anytime you go into any Hall of Fame, um, you know, it's, it's an indication that you're among the very best, the very elite in that game. And I don't, I don't know that there's a greater honor in the world than that. And so it was, it was a great honor. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, that's, that's really all the questions I really have for you. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat. I can link everybody to your website. I know you do some public speaking. Just check it out. Yeah. I do appreciate, appreciate you taking the time. This has been awesome. Uh, it's been great to be with you, Zach. And I do, I, I love getting out and talking to, talking to people and, and teaching them how to build a team and synergy and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that'd be great, but thank you. I've enjoyed it.